You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. He's on the tackle. He takes the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. Sorry, I'm changing channels here, trying to get something decent on the old television. I'm joined <laughs> alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, how you doing, Bubba? Man, feeling good. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, same, man. I Same. Been a, been a good day, man. Nice relaxing day for me, so I'm ready to talk a little ball here. Um you never know what we're going to break out as far as the agenda goes, but uh was just digging around through YouTube and looking for some old school videos. So pulled up uh, one from 1995 that we're going to hit on for sure, man. Love it. I'm just going to run through the chat here real quick. Give a shout out to everybody. We got a bunch of the PTA posse members in here. We got Eric Sutherland in the house. We got Boz. We got Randy Cleavers. We've got, let's see, uh, Mike Berry in the house, Peter Stone, SDN 40, Doug Pointer, Chris M., Good to see everybody in here this evening. Hope everybody had an awesome, awesome day. So, uh, yeah, like I said, man, I was kind of digging around a bit earlier, and and really what got me digging on this, and it, it sounds it sounds kind of you know kind of off cuff, but PFF with Packers, uh, PFF underscore Packers tweeted this out. It said Romeo Dobbs was the highest graded wide receiver in the 2023 playoffs at 90.5. This is what Jordan Love was referring to, right? As uh, what he say? Uh, he, he said he gets that look in his eye, and he called him playoff playoff Romeo, right? Um, man, that's and, my Dobbs. <laughs> and we've seen some great players wear number eighty seven. Obviously, uh, Jordy Nelson, right? Jordy Nelson comes to mind. I'll tell you another one that comes to mind too is Robert Brooks from the nineties, right? So you know, I was going through this, looking at the numbers with Dobbs, and, and thought, you know, I wonder if we got any Robert Brooks highlights. I pulled one. 
out of the blue from 1995. This was September 11th, 1995. This was Monday Night Football. And uh, like I said, this is probably – it might have been the first game of the year, maybe the second game of the year. I can't remember exactly when they started the season back then. But let's relive this call here. And this was back when Monday Night Football, in my opinion, was at its peak. I'm pretty sure it was Al Michaels. I think Dan Deardorff was in there. Yeah. Yeah. There was somebody else, too. Who are we forgetting there, Tim? It's going to drive me crazy. Let me go 1995 Monday Night Football announcers here. 1995 Monday. Oh, um, uh, the – Gifford, Frank Gifford. I think you might be right. Right. Let's see if we can get it here. Um, 95. Yeah, you're right. Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Darren, Dan Deardorff, and in the sideline was Lynn Swan, Hall of Fame wide receiver. Oh, I remember. Yes, um, yes. That was – that was if you weren't alive to experience 1995 Monday Night Football, it was the pinnacle of Monday Night Football. And there's been some good teams, don't get me wrong, but I'm a big fan of Al Michaels. I know that he's getting older and he's not quite the announcer he used to be. I hope I've got a mind as sharp as his when I get to his age. I know that much. That dude's been calling games, you know, long before we were alive. But, uh, yeah, this uh, you're right, SDM40 guy. He said, was this the 99-yarder? Yes, sir, it was. Another, another Brett Favre uh, pump fake masterpiece, too, uh, on this one. Let's watch it. You want to? Yeah, man. All right, here we go. It. seen that before. Donnell Wolford bites all over that. He should know better. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> what a, a great call it is by Mike Holmgren. Play action. Uh, just absolutely a gutsy call, uh, but a really good call. Well, officially, they'll make it 99 yards. <laughs> the ball inside the one, so it equals the longest play ever. This is This just never happens. Brooks is going to spin Wolford all the way around. Look at that. Oh, good route. Uh, he just undressed him, Frank. Wolford looked around yeah. and saw the play action. It froze for a second. Wolford, Pro Bowl cornerback, he just got it handed to him. First time in the illustrious history of the Packers, they've had a 99-yard touchdown. Drafts pass and love it. back to haunt him. Look at that. Look at that old clip right there. It tells us on VHS, right? Wow. You found that on YouTube. We went from 95 to 01 real quick there. You see that? <laughs> God, I love it, man. Absolutely love it. I know the chat. Chat's lit up over it for sure. Uh, Chewy says, nice. I like what Eric Sutherland says. Brooks was awesome in 95. I was 21 years old. Damn. Yeah, Eric, man, you uh, you getting up there like me, bro. I wasn't 21 in 95, but uh, 95, let's see how old was I? I was born in 82, so I would have been, what, 13 years old? 13 years old when that happened. And that was just – I remember kind of watching from a distance because, like I said, I wasn't a pro football fan. My brother was a big Steelers fan, so I kind of pulled for them. That was in the Cordell Stewart days. I've watched the games with him. He's quite a bit older than I am. He's more of like a father figure to me. And uh, I just remember from a distance hearing about everything that was going on in Green Bay, 95, 96, 97, and just seeing all the clips of them just dominating, far winning all the MVPs. Fun time for football for sure, man. I like what SDM40 says. Uh, says the Bears never failed to disappoint. That's the freaking truth right there. No doubt about that. Matter of fact, Jair actually made a comment about that earlier this year, I believe, right? What, what was it he said? Things could be a lot worse. I could be a Bears fan. 
There you go. <laughs> and I'll tell you something else that triggered for me too. You know, when it, when you talk about um, Romeo Dobbs and 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 how he's playing right now, and and how they're obviously dominating the Bears. Uh, Matt Lafleur continues to dominate the Bears. This was a Bears podcast live on Radio Row, as you guys know. Jordan Love went through and did a bunch of different interviews. Um, he was promoting Old Spice, obviously signed a sponsorship there. Like Tim said off air, hey, go get that bag, Jordan. Make your money, man. You ain't got to wait on a contract to make your money. Go get it now, right? Yep. And uh, check this out. He walks by one of the podcast booths. And listen what this Bears fan says to him. Bears fan, you're ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. What's this? I'm a Bears fan. You're ruining my life. <laughs> you can see him laugh. Oh, yeah. Jordan. Jordan laugh a little bit as he walked away. That was funny. Yeah, he was cackling for sure. But, yeah, as far as that play from uh, from Robert Brooks, you know what I think we should do, Tim? I think we should do a little mini chalk talk segment. What do you think, man? Oh, okay. Let's okay. break it down. You want to? Oh, look at this. We already got it. I was no, just going to say it was just, was I don't personnel. know. It just popped up in the system. I have no idea how it got there. Uh-huh. Here we go. All right, so the Packers obviously backed up on the one-yard line. It, it's it's pretty obvious they either tried to run or pass there on two downs and had no success whatsoever. So they're looking at third and ten. You guys know most of the time when you're backed up inside your own five, it's usually run it twice, try to get a little breathing room for your punter, and then try to convert on third down, right? So obviously they're backed up one-yard line, third and ten. <clears throat> the Packers and Holmgren come out in a 12-ace, 31-sluggo, T-cut, Y-leak. Let's talk about what all that means. First of all, you got your your 12 ace, right? We always talk about it. Notice how the back isn't as far back either. They got him a little bit closer, right, to the quarterback. And I think the reason there is get the ball to him quicker before the defense can penetrate so you can get a, a few breathing yards if you do run it there, right? That might have kind of helped sell the thought that they're going to run here too. So when we talk about what the play actually is, let me slim this down a bit here. Um, here's what you got. 31, okay, 31, we're going to use the numerical system, which was really popular um, back in the day, right? It was a little bit easier to kind of uh, uh, kind of communicate before you get into all the different uh, complexity, uh, you know, complex different uh, passing concepts, right? You got names for passing concepts now. This will be close to what they call a, was it a diagonal nine, I think is what they would have called it, or no, a diagonal seven. They have like a, a route concept that's similar to this, but it wouldn't have been exactly. So 31, if you look at the route tree, the traditional pass route tree, right, the uh, the uh, wide receiver routes, they're numbered from one to nine, nine being a go route, right? And, and you know, it kind of trickles down from, from deepest starting at nine to shallow at a one, right? And yeah, I think one is actually a slant, if I remember correctly. Or no, one's a flat, two's a slant, I believe. But 12 ace, we got... 12 set, right? You got one running back, two tight two tight ends here. Okay. So you're going 12 base with a little closer uh, you know, lined up there to the quarterback as far as the running back goes. And then you've got 31, which is a comeback and a flat combo. So this receiver is going to get a little stutter at the line, get down the field. I can't take it off the screen far enough, but it's like 10 yards down the field. He's going to run kind of a, co- a comeback. He's going to kind of what what they're looking to do here, I think they were picking a side. Okay. So if they play like a cover two zone here, then I think what Favre would have done is tried to hammer that comeback, right? If they're playing man, they're going to go with the sluggo on the other side. But there's your three route is basically going to be a comeback, okay? Your one is the U tight end attacking the flat underneath that comeback, okay? And again, why is he the U? This is where you start here. You go, which, how, how do you determine the Y? 
both tight ends are on the line of scrimmage. It's hard to determine which one's the Y, right? You got a Y and a U if we're using Matt LaFleur's terminology here, okay, which is what we're going to stay familiar with where we're doing chalk talk in modern times here. So the X receiver would be on the line of scrimmage opposite the Y. Which, which wide receiver is on the line of scrimmage up top? There's your X. That makes him the Y, makes him the U, and makes this the Z, okay? So, again, the play call, 31 it's 12 ace, 31 sluggo, T cut, Y leak. We know what the three route is, is going to be the comeback, right? You've got the one route, which is going to be the flat, and then attack the flat here from the U. The Y leak is just going to block, and then he's going to leak out. And I put choice in parentheses because he's just going to kind of leak down the middle. He's just looking for open space here, okay? He's going to kind of hang back. And then you've got a T cut. The T cut, the running back is going to come through the middle and he's going to cut back towards the middle of the line of scrimmage. So it's kind of like an in route from the running back position. If you go look up online, you can find there's about know, 12 to 15 different route names for running back routes. Now, running, yeah. everyone might not. It's like a little running back dagger almost. Exactly. Not everyone will call them the same thing, right? Like some people, I think on that one, one specific chart that I look at from time to time, it actually called what we call an angle route. It called it a V route. Right. We call it an angle. We've always known it as an angle in West Coast. Now, what is the sluggo? The sluggo is a slant and go. So Robert Brooks is going to work the middle like he's running a slant and then he's going to break it off and go. OK, the goal is to get this cornerback right here to bite inside and then bend it back out. Now, obviously, we don't have the all 22. This is prehistoric video, obviously. So what you've got off screen, though, is you've got two safeties deep. And it's hard for me to tell what their actual assignment is. It could be either two man under or they could be playing zero man double rat. And what that means is both safeties are actually coming down to cover underneath that mid zone. Right. And you've got the corners playing basically man coverage with no safety up over the top. Or it can be two man under, which kind of makes sense in this regard on the right side of the on the play side that goes to Robert Brooks. And the reason being is because if you're playing two man under, the corner isn't scared to get beat over the top. That's exactly what it sounds like. Two man under is two deep zones, right? Deep halves. And you're playing underneath technique in man coverage. That's what two man under means. So I kind of think it was probably two man under and the safety up top. The reason he's biting down a little bit is because he noticed the X receiver at the top of the screen chops down and runs a comeback. So he has no deep threat on his side of the field. So he's just kind of drifting underneath a little bit to help out any way he can. And then the safety on the other side, I think he honestly bit on the sluggo. And what a sluggo is, guys, is a slant and go. That's short for slant and go. They call it sluggo. All right. So that's the that's how it draws out. Let's roll the tape here. I got to think they were playing run here. Look at yeah, the backers. Oh, Look yeah, at the, yeah. the back. <laughs> it's like they're there. The Bears had to be thinking like, oh, they're trying to get some room for their punter here on third and ten. Yep. Let's let's watch. I mean, look how close the backers are to the line. Absolutely. They're kind of stacked up there. They're looking to make a play because, like I said, most third and ten plays here when you're on your own one. You just try to run the ball and get you three or four yards to give your punter a little bit of breathing room, right? But not not with Favre at the helm. He, he, the one thing about Favre, he could care less about that punter. He's going out there to hit a home run. Hey, you deal with, you handle your job, I'll handle mine. That's why this is such a beautiful play call, right? Because <laughs> right. Sluggo is one of my favorite route concepts yeah. of all time. And when you've got a quarterback like this and a receiver like this, this is the masterpiece that you're left with. And, you know, the announcer said play action. He bit on the play action. He bit on the play action. He didn't bite on the play action. 
And I, there is an even play action here to me. The running back kind of looks like he's going to – he's planning on play action. But I think Brett at the line – you know how we talked about he liked to fire those RPOs? He kind of invented it. I think right here he's kind of given that look. Watch as he snaps the ball. He doesn't fake a handoff, right? Straight He just drop. comes up, bang, there's the pump, and it's off to the races, man. Took a lick, too. Did you Took see that? Too, right? Oh, yep. man. Sorry that's, it's so grainy, guys. But that's, that's a flag. Way. That's a flag in today's game. That's oh, a hit to it. the quarterback to the head area. That's Bam. A, right in the face. That's an undetected concussion in 95. Yeah. <laughs> right. So again, look at the separation. And it's all because Favre and Robert Brooks have burnt burnt people all during the 90s with those slant routes, right? So you come out here, fake the slant, the pump fake, just gonna throw it up, take a shot. Look at that separation, Tim. Yep. My gosh, you got seven yards. Ball from Brett. Yeah. Let me take it back and show you what I was talking about on the other side, too. Right here, you can actually see the corner on the other side. Notice where the wide receiver ends. See how it's like almost like he's running a curl or a hitch there. He's going to kind of like a little comeback, if you will. He, he's not really going full speed down the sideline. And you see where the safeties are. They kind of bit underneath. I don't think it was necessarily a double rat. I think this guy's seen hitch here right, or comeback, I should say. So he eases up and, and is looking to take away right here, okay? And this other one, I think that this DB got caught peeking on the slant too and was too late to get back. But the, their, their, their depth on this play, it really makes me think too that could have been a double rat call. And that makes sense because you're at your own one. You're trying to get the ball out quick if you do pass, right? So no one, including the defense, obviously was expecting – them to come out and throw a 99-yard touchdown pass on a sluggo while Favre takes a shot in his own end zone from the one-yard line. So I love I, – I know it's it's kind of bittersweet, the fact that the film's grainy. I kind of like that personally. <laughs> but, again, beautiful shot play. We're going to get a look at the route now as you watch Robert Brooks here. This is just freaking sick. This look, is textbook sluggo look, route look, running. Look, slant, turn him, go. Bye. Oh Lord! <laughs> cooked. Look at <laughs> cooking and cooked oh. that corner. Looking like a ballerina. Look at him. What? <laughs> God, I love it. Oh man. my goodness! He's gone right here. Robert Brooks is like, oh yeah, that's ninety nine. That's ninety nine. Yeah. And you Perfect. know what else I love is you notice Brooks doesn't have to put his hand up. Mm -mm. He doesn't have to wait for that ball. Brett's he knows it's Brett's like all over it. Oh. <clears throat> Look at this guy right here. He's like, well, crap! I gotta get the I gotta get the ref a ball down here so they can kick the extra point. I mean, <laughs> my man's huffing it. Oh, there you man. go, man. That's Absolutely love it. Any of the old footage, man. It, it's great, dude. It's great. Twelve A's, thirty-one sluggo, T cut, wide leak, on two, on two, ready break. Love it, man. Anytime you go back to the nineties, man. It, I think you know, like I said, I wasn't a Packer fan in the nineties, Tim, but I know the people that lived through that. I guarantee you it was just like you go from being one of the worst teams in the league for what pretty much the the 70s and the 80s into the 80s yeah yeah I mean you're talking about over two decades that you were kind of the the laughing stock of the league and then all of a sudden this shows up I can only imagine and we're still still singing the same old song the bears still suck no doubt about it man I love it. Absolutely love it. Let's see here. Uh, what do we got in the chat? Uh, yeah, Jake K in the chat says, love how you're breaking this down. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of this in the offseason, man. That's the thing. There's no reason to be talking about Mount Rushmore's and favorite food. We'll talk about food because I'm a, I'm, I'm a chunker, okay? We're going to talk about food. 
um, about said something probably get me canceled there. Um, <laughs> FAT word that everybody is so sensitive about. I'm listen. I'm not ashamed to say I'm overweight. Everybody jump on in. The water's fine, you know. But uh, we'll be breaking a lot of this down um, during the off season for sure. Uh, let's see here. Antonio in the chat says you have to be good at the slant and the go route to make the slant and go happen. Haven't seen Watson or Dobbs catch the slant and go. Actually, there's one. If you'll remember, it's not a slant and go, but I think it's an even tougher route that Dobbs ran there in the playoffs. We broke it down the other day. You remember what the, the play we referred to as uh, Rondé Barber referred to as cross country, where Dobbs sells across and then comes back on the sell route, right, um, which is kind of an out, and they're almost bending back toward the sideline but toward the line of scrimmage. I think that's a tougher route than a sluggo. So I think Dobbs could run a sluggo. It's just the problem is uh, uh, there's a lot of too high shell that's getting played in the NFL now. So it really isn't as effective because you got those safeties helping out over the top. Right. Now, if you get a situation like that where you can kind of tell, Hey, they're playing double rat. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you seen Aaron Rodgers? And I say Aaron Rodgers specifically because he's been our quarterback, you know, since Brett, when was the last time you seen Aaron Rodgers have to throw the ball on third and 10 from his own one yard line? I can't think of a time. Right. Um, Of course, Brett would be the one that had to do it. and, And he did it just took a shot to the, to the kisser there, but uh, yeah, but go go watch that play there where uh, where Dobbs converts huge gain. Um, he absolutely crosses up the DB uh, running. They're running that kind of that cross country look that they played off of a play previously in uh, on a previous snap in the game too. But uh, yeah, Doug in the chat says I used to work in Madison but lived in uh, Waukesha, uh, but at least I was at Baker Tilly, which was Eastern Madison, east of I ninety four. That wasn't bad working near the square. Ugh. <laughs> so I love we I love the names up there in Wisconsin too, man. Like y'all got some really cool town names. Waukesha. You know what I'm saying? It, I guess it's all kind of Native American related, right? Am I thinking right, Tim? Most of it, yeah, for the most yeah. part. Um oh, it's always fun to see people try to pronounce them too when they when they come up here. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, 
and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We got a couple doozies. <laughs> couple doozies. <laughs> Shout out to Oconomowoc. Uh, that's another good one. Definitely. Doug in the chat says uh, the 70s were miserable. The 80s were fun at times on offense with Lynn Dickey, James Lofton, Kaufman, and Jefferson. When Greg took over, it became unwatchable. Of course, Greg, one of yeah. the best Packers that ever suited up, right, but not not on the sideline. I think the best thing he ever did was standing up to Mike Dickey and threatening to whip, and hit, whip his rear end on the, in the parking lot, right? It sounded like he was ready to fight him after a game. But, uh, yeah, love it, man. God, the old days. Dude. We got to keep them alive, man. We got to lean on them and keep them alive. Don't don't let them get forgotten, man. That's the big thing. So let's get back to uh, kind of some of what uh, some of what Robert Brooks did. Okay, you know, people when I posted that on Twitter, people went crazy. They're like, man, Robert Brooks was so underrated. He was such a solid receiver. One guy said if he hadn't tore his ACL, he would have been dominant. Right? Here's his career stats, Tim. This is really cool. So obviously, he was drafted in '92. You guys know we showed the Brett Favre comeback there against the Bengals, uh, his first playing time, uh, filling in for Domikowski, who hurt his ankle in that game. And you've seen Robert Brooks make a huge rookie mistake on a kick return, right? So that was his rookie year. He was the kick returner his rookie year is what it looked like. It looked like it was him, and I think Buckley was still doing a little bit of kick returning too, if I remember correctly. But it might have just been – it might have just been Robert Brooks on punt returns, but I think it was kick returns and, and Buckley was punt returns, if I remember correctly. It could have been mixed and matched at times, too. But 92 was his rookie year. In 92, he had 126 yards and one touchdown. 93, 180 yards, no touchdown. So it's like, man, this kid, you know, not looking good. 94, 648 yards and four touchdowns. Tim, I, this blew me away. 1995, that was the clip we just showed you was from 95, right? He had, let's see how many receptions it was, 102 receptions, okay? He played all 16 games, 102 receptions, 1,497 receiving yards with 13 touchdowns, dude. That is unbelievable. Now, I'm, I'm assuming he tore his ACL 96. the next year. Yep. Yeah, his because in 96, he only played seven games, had 344 yards, four touchdowns. In 97, it looks like he was somewhat healthy. He played 15 of the 16 games, 1,010 yards with seven touchdowns, obviously nowhere near what he did there in 95. Um, and then, of course, in 98, 420 yards, three touchdowns. There must have been another injury there around 98. Looks like 99, he didn't get any snaps. So that's probably when that major injury happened, I would imagine. It would have been 99, and then obviously 2000, only played in four games. So, yeah, we, we won't remember those four games in Denver. We'll, right. we'll just forget about those. Yeah, let's just – this is – like it didn't even it, exist, it right? is interesting to look to see that he played exactly a hundred games on the nose mm-hmm. for his career. It's pretty cool. 
Absolutely, man. So that was his regular season stats. Look at his playoff stats. This was pretty impressive, too. Like, let's just fast forward to 1994. You guys know they they made the playoffs in 93, but they got beat out pretty early. 94, he had uh, he played in two playoff games. He had 15 receptions for 226 yards. Didn't have any touchdowns. But that's pretty impressive. They're averaging over 100 yards a game, right? What he averaged 113 yards a game in those two playoffs there in 94. And then in 95, had even more success. Uh, obviously, they uh, played in three playoff games there technically. 281 receiving yards with three touchdowns. So um, he basically, uh, let's see what he averaged there, was 93.7 yards per game and averaged a touchdown per game too, man. That's that's really impressive. 97 in the playoffs, uh, had 73 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Obviously, it kind of trickled down from there. But, man, a couple, couple times, I mean, 95, the 95 playoffs, was he hurt? I'm trying to think. I always get confused on these. Like, you win the Super Bowl technically in the 1996 calendar year because, you know, the Super Bowl is played after the, the first of the year. So those 1995 stats would have been the Super Bowl year. Am I thinking right, Tim, or no? Would that, that make sense to me, I think. I think yeah. so, yeah, if I remember correctly. I always get crossed up there. He could have been injured the Super Bowl year, but I'm not sure. If anybody in the chat knows, let us know. It's Keep like your eyes Our most recent one, I always think of the 2010 Packers as our Super Bowl champs. I mean, they played in 2011. The game there you go. That answers the question. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, if they were 96 Super Bowl champs, then that 95 season, that 95 playoff run, you could see, man, he played a huge role in that, right? Yep. Would have, that would have had to have been, I would imagine. You no, know, he was just a yak machine, too, dude. Like, oh, absolute, yeah. like, I, I mean, what we just saw was absolute classic, the 99-yard sluggo tutter, but Mm-hmm. Man, I tell you, you, you throw him a little quick slant, you know, get, catch that ball in space, and he was gone. Like, fun to yeah. watch, man. Definitely. Jake Shavink in the house said, looks like he missed the Super Bowl year. Okay, so that, that you know, it kind of when you look up at the Super Bowl highlights and everything, you think of Andre Ross and you think of Antonio Freeman, right? I don't remember seeing Robert Brooks in that Super Bowl, so that, that would make sense. Not 100% sure, but I mean, I trust Jake. Obviously, Jake knows. So, Speaking uh, of Freeman, we should do that'd be another Monday night football uh oh, memory that he did what game. I'm gonna make a note of it right here. Monday night football Freeman. We'll pull it out. Um that's uh that's a fun one. He did what? And who was that? <laughs> that was Al Michaels again, wasn't it? Sure was. I oh, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Jake might be able to answer this for us in the chat. If you want to answer Ron in the chat, Jake, we appreciate it. Um he said Packers spent extensive time with USF tackle slash guard Donovan Jennings at the Shrine Bowl. Any info on him? I don't have anything because my draft board isn't complete yet. I guess I could do this real quick. Let me go to the consensus big board and just kind of see where he's sitting at. Jake, anything, any kind of information you've got on him? You were down there, obviously. Um, Just let us know there in the chat. Let's see, consensus big board. Let me pull that up real quick. What was the name again, Tim? One more time for me. You may be muted, buddy. Sorry about that. Uh, Donovan Jennings, D-O-N-A-V-O-N Jennings. Donovan Jennings. All right. So on the consensus big board, I'm not seeing him listed anywhere as a tackle. So they probably had him interior. Might be a good move, too, with this being kind of a loaded tackle um, draft. Jennings, Jennings, Jennings. I'm not seeing him on the consensus big board, man. Hmm, That's interesting. I'm interested to see if Jake has any info on him because, yeah, I don't see him here at all man so uh it's cool to see some of these names and it's kind of like zach tom nobody was looking at zach tom going hey yeah, that guy right there you know he just kind of come the only person i heard talking about him 
was Ryan Schlipp. And he just pulled some some kind of some specific numbers out on him. And, uh, you know, he uh, I remember him just kind of being big on him. And when they drafted him, it's like, OK, this is Ryan's guy. Let's keep an eye on him. Next thing you know, it's like, all right, this dude's a stud. <laughs> what a pick. What a pick that is. So good stuff there. All right, let's move on. Um, I put this tweet out because I was kind of looking, you know, with some of the Rashawn Gary slander. I was going, what, how bad was his numbers last year for people to be so down on him, right? And when I pulled up his numbers, it's like, he, he basically matched what he's done up to this point. He didn't have like a horrible statistic year, right? And I think people immediately go to the negative aspect because they, well, he's just, he's, he's underperforming because of his contract, right? So I tweeted this out. I said, fresh off an ACL reconstruction, Packers edge defender Rashawn Gary registered new career highs with two fumble recoveries. That was a career high. 11 run stuff yards. That means that he accounted for causing a team to lose, you know, teams across that season to lose 11 yards, what they call run stuff yards, okay? And then he uh, tied his career high nine sacks. I think uh, last year was nine and a half sacks. This year was nine sacks and forced two fumbles, okay? That tied a career high for him too. So his numbers were pretty much the same as they were the year before, and this is coming off an ACL surgery. So that's like I, I expected him to miss, you know, three quarters of the season. So maybe it's just I had a lower expectation is why I'm like, man, this guy really performed, um, you know, and, and that. And, and, of course, he had some huge games. He absolutely dominated the Saints game where he had three sacks. If he doesn't play in that game, we probably lose that game. We win that yep. game, if I remember correctly, by one point. He had three sacks in that game. Another game, too, was Thanksgiving Day. Like, Thanksgiving Day, if Jordan Love hadn't bought out the way he bought out, Rashawn Gary would have been your player of the game. Like, he – and the sacks he got in the fourth quarter – was just like, you know, he, he, he got them right when you needed them. So I think the contract, the new contract, is what kind of turns people off on him. Well, I pulled up the cap hit. Last year, obviously, he was on the fifth-year option, so the cap hit was extremely low. He went nowhere near the top of the league as far as edge defenders and what they're getting paid. So here I sorted it by edge defenders. This is 2024 cap hit, okay? So these are all the edge defenders. That's why you see OLB and defensive end. They're accounting for players who are playing in a 34 defense, playing outside linebacker, rushing the passer, edge defender, or a defensive end in a 4-3. He is the 21st highest cap hit in the entire National Football League at $15.9 million cap hit. Okay, Preston Smith is 19th, to put that into perspective, at 16.5. So he's still counting for less against the cap than Preston Smith is. Um, so when I seen that in the way that Goody kind of backloaded the cap hit, structure of of the uh of the contract what you're essentially going to get into is when you get into whatever deal someone signs if they sign a five-year deal it's really a three-year deal if they sign a four-year deal it's really a three-year deal if they sign a three-year deal it's really a one-year deal where you can kind of get out of it at any point you can cut bait if you have to in like three whatever the extension was and you know one year early and free up a ton of cap room and eat a little bit of cap penalty. That's how teams are structuring these contracts. So Rashawn Gary, the fact that we got him for 15.9 with a long deal, knowing we're going to be able to move that money around however we need to, he battled his rear end off to get back and obviously um, help the team, which I love that, that clip that I posted there that that tweet came from. He said, man, I just, I just wanted to work to get back out here and get on the field with you guys. Like he's just a, he's a team player. He, he's the hardest working player on that defense. What I respect about him the most is after the DeVito game, you could tell he changed the way he rushed the quarterback. You could tell that he was being coached. Hey, stop rushing upfield. 
it'd be real easy to go net flush that. I'm going to go get my sacks. But it was like he was playing unselfish to play within the scheme, and you didn't see quarterbacks run all over him the rest of the year. I think that goes, uh, you know, that that needs to be mentioned as well for sure. So um, just thought I'd kind of point that out as far as the cap hit. Kind of cool that he comes in that low. I was surprised. I was expecting him to be, even in 2024, I was expecting him to be top 15 and then next year be top five, and then the year after that be the highest highest paid one. It actually he came in at 21, then he comes in around 12, then he comes in around five, then he comes in, I think, around three, if I remember correctly. So by then, that's the other thing, too. These other guys are getting it paid, and that bar is going to continue to get raised, right? So he's still going to end up being one of the cheaper defensive ends as far as, you know, productivity and that type of thing. So pressures are, like I said, they're, they're the most important thing to me, pressures and playing within the scheme, playing schematically sound, and making you, making sure you're playing the run correctly too. I'm excited to see what Jeff Halfley does uh, with him for sure. I want to take a quick glance at this. That name again was – what was that name again, Tim? That offensive line, you remember what the last name was on it? I can't remember now. Jennings. Uh, Jake Jake Shavink gave us a little uh, info here. Donovan Jennings, six-year senior. 3,139 snaps at left tackle, 112 at right guard. Looked like the Shrine Bowl wanted to kick him to the inside. Got it. Okay. So still early. This is the 33rd team's uh, horizontal board. He's obviously not showing up on here. I couldn't find him on the consensus big board, but maybe we'll start to hear his name a little bit more. So the Packers, uh, that might be one of those late round guys that, you know, they pick up in the sixth or seventh round and they turn out to be a, a Rashid Walker where he can do, you know, one or two things really well. Right. So. That's something to kind of keep our eye on there for sure. So, all right, let's do this. Uh, we've got a new graphic. You don't have to use the ghetto graphic anymore, right, from the coaching staff. Bam, look at here is our defensive coaching staff. Actually got this from Relax on Twitter. I can't remember his exact Twitter handle. Really good follow, though. I should give you oh, guys that. Yeah. You really good follow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I thought I did, but I don't have it pulled up. Okay, if you find it, that's cool. We definitely want to give him a shout-out. He got it from someone else, and we gave them credit, obviously, on, on X for uh, for creating the graphic. But uh, this is your new defensive coaching staff. You've got Jeff Halfley, defensive coordinator. I imagine he'll be the play caller. you got Jason Rebervich is the defensive line coach. you got Derek Ansley, pass game coordinator. you got Ryan Downard is the DB's coach, the defensive back's coach. you got Anthony Campanelli as a run game coordinator and linebackers coach. And then you got Vince Ogabasi um, as the assistant defensive line coach. So, and we've got. <laughs> Mia, what are you doing, man? What are What's you doing? happening? Got done a little late. We're running. Uh, had to run a frame across town from an S10. So, uh, you know, how you know how you strap it up down here, Clayton, right? Get a couple of ratchets. The gate doesn't close all the way. You kind of just. Yep. You get it. You get it put up. Uh, but uh, no, I had to get showered. And I'm 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 back. And before you hop in the truck, you always pat it twice and go. That ought to hold. That's Every exactly time. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, you know it's, that ain't going nowhere. That's uh -huh. it. Yeah. That and the chain's nowhere. loose already, and you're just like, no, we're good. That thing is, we're clear. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to the offensive side here, just to give you guys a quick glimpse. Adam Stenovich, obviously offensive coordinator. Hey, look, man, you got to give him props. I was uh, I was kind of negative toward Adam Stenovich. Like, man, I don't know, dude especially with the offense struggling uh, mm -hmm. last year, and you kind of start second-guessing it. LaFleur's loyal, man. He stuck with his guy, and they end up being a top-10 offense, right? So good to go there. Tom Clements, it has been confirmed by Tom Silverstein that he is returning his quarterback's coach, which is absolutely awesome. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jason Brave was wide receivers coach. That's a dude keep your eye on. Mm -hmm. If the Packers come out this year and these receivers perform like they did last year, 
that dude is going to be one of the front runners for an OC job. You watch. So it's going to come down to will Adam Stinovich get a head coaching job offer? I don't think that'll happen, but Jason Vrabel might just jump right to the top of the pack because the fact that he's doing so much with so so little at the wide receiver position. Now that right. could be Goody being the wizard he is, right, and just drafting great talent. That could be the case too. But Jason Vrabel will be one in the mix next year, I think, for OC jobs. So. Um, just, just hope he don't end up in the NFC North, right? That would absolutely suck. But uh, we got Ben Sermons as a running backs coach. You've got John Dunn as the tight ends coach once again, and then Luke Buckus back as the O-line coach. I'm not a big Buckus fan just because I think of the run game, right, and I struggle that, with the fact that we're, we're so bad at run blocking. Um, and it seems like it's always Aaron Jones having to do the work to make up for it. Now, some of it is scheme. We talked about that extensively early last year. But uh, – I'll tell this. I'll tell you this. So, Coach Buckus has got them boys pass blocking, don't he? Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that it's uh, it's it's Dick Buckus's nephew too, right? It's like, listen, whether you hate the Bears or not, nothing but respect for the man that Dick Buckus was. He did. He passed away this year. Am I thinking right, Tim? Didn't he pass yep. away? Yeah. Yep. Just hates to see. It sucks to see the the legends going, man. Um, right. Man, that dude played the game right. Right. Who is it? I think it was. Was it Deacon Jones that had the poem on old NFL films? He said, roses are red, violets are blue. If you're smart, you'll keep Buckus away from you. We're <laughs> going over the middle. Dick Buckus was me. He was the Ray Nitschke of the Chicago Bears. There's no two ways about right. it. So love the old timer. So if we look at the coaches across the league, I love this chart that Matt Clay put out. He's an ESPN guy. Uh, he's been on you know NFL Live and Sports Center and everything. Real good with numbers, analytics. This chart here, we're going to keep on hand because I want to keep up with who is who this year as we go through and see, you know, offenses and defenses excelling and even maybe taking a step back, right? So um, when you kind of look at this, what this chart is showing you, obviously the team is listed on the far left. You got your head coaches. You'll notice the color code with the date in which they were hired. So the lighter the color, okay, or I'm sorry, the bluer the color, the longer they've been employed. And let me give you an example. Mike Tomlin, dark blue. He was hired in 2007. Also dark blue, John Harbaugh, same division, right, 2008. And then as it gets to light blue, you got, you know, coaches that have been hired a little bit sooner or a little bit late, uh, you know, more recently, I should say, as I try to understand the English language a little bit better. And then as you get into the red, those are the guys who were just hired. So new coaches, 2024, Raheem Morris takes over in Atlanta. You've got uh, Dave Canales taking over in Carolina. You've got Gerard Mayo taking over in New England for Bill Belichick. you got Mike McDonald, <clears throat> former Ravens defensive coordinator, take, coordinator, taking over in Seattle as head coach. When you go to OCs, the new OCs are Zach Robinson in Atlanta. You've got uh, Brad Idzik, I think is how you say it, in Carolina as the OC. you got Shane Waldron, the new OC in Chicago. It's important to, to mention that. Obviously, it's a division rival. Um, Cincinnati, you got Dan Pitcher as the new OC. you got Ken Dorsey, the new OC in Cleveland. Obviously, his recent stint was with Buffalo. Um, Greg Roman takes over with the L.A. Chargers for Jim Harbaugh as his OC. Luke Getze, our former OC, is, is now got a job at, at, after he got fired by the Bears. He's now with the Las Vegas Raiders as their OC. Alex Van Pelt, former Packer coach, I think quarterback coach back in the day, takes over as OC in New England. Um, he came out with a quote er, earlier in the week, or maybe it was last week, saying, what we're going to do is run the damn ball, is what he says. So I know New England fans really wanted to hear that. Clint Kubiak taking over as OC in New Orleans. Kellen Moore taking over in Philly. Kellen Moore just continues to get jobs 
it's just amazing to me. Um, I don't know, man. He, he didn't have much success out there in the Chargers with uh, with our boy Justin Herbert, and all of a sudden, bang, he's right back to getting another job in Philly. Um, Arthur Smith, the former Atlanta Falcons coach, uh, takes over as OC in Pittsburgh. I got, a, I got a good Steelers buddy that I told him I like that hire. I think Arthur Smith's a good coach. He's going to run a lot of outside zone. Might not necessarily fit uh, what they want to do with their running back there with the big Bama boys. name's escaping me right now. But I, I like the wide zone look for sure. Ryan Grubb takes over as OC in Seattle. You got Tampa Bay, Todd Bowles, um, head coach down there. He's got Liam Cohen, Liam Cohen coming in as his OC. So let's just focus on the rest of the way here with the DC or the uh, yeah the DCs and kind of look across our division. Eric Washington is now the DC um, in Chicago. He runs a four three base. Okay, so that's a new name there. Detroit obviously stays the same with Aaron Glenn running a four three. Green Bay, Jeff Halfley, it says 3-4, but that was before they made the announcement that they're going to be switching to a 4-3, right, which you guys know I've talked about that extensively. Their nickel package is going to look exactly the same, essentially. Um, it'll be the base that might be a little bit different. Uh, Ryan, let's see, that's that's not in the division. There should be one more here. Who am I thinking of? No, we got them, didn't we? we got Brian him. Flores, right? Minnesota. Yep. Brian Flores, Minnesota, you're right. He's returning, and they're running, obviously, that 34 there. So just wanted to kind of point that out some of the coaching changes. So Chicago, Matt Eberflus saves his job. He cans everybody else. He kind of lets everybody else take the fall. <laughs> Shane Waldron's the new OC. Shane Waldron will be the new play caller. Eric Washington is the new DC, but I think Matt Eberflus might have actually called plays. So not mm -hmm. a whole lot of changes there. So there you go. Minnesota pretty much stays the same too. So it's really just Chicago, isn't it? It's uh, let's make a changes because right. yeah, there was rumors that, you know, Ben Johnson was going to get a head coaching job, but he decided to stay put. So Detroit's it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild just to think, you know, 13 offensive coordinators, 14 defensive coordinators, all these were switching out each basically each year, it seems like, you mm -hmm. know, that, that there's that kind of turnover in them. Yeah, absolutely, man. Pretty wild stuff. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? I've got a video queued up, a little history. Um, we can hit on the chat too. I haven't been able to look at it and uh and mark anything, but um is there uh, anything you that's on your all's mind here in the here in the you know in the chat? Right here live. Tim, anything you want to talk about? If not, we'll jump into the Curly Lambo stuff. I want to do the Curly Lambo video. We were going to get to this this morning, and we we didn't get a chance. So Definitely. Let's run. Emilio, you, you got anything, Emilio? No, I'm ready for Curly. All right. So this is a little bit long. It's like eight minutes, and uh, I found a clip from the Packers Legacy documentary. And what it's going to talk about is kind of East, East Green Bay High, West Green Bay High. For those of you who don't know, Tim lives really close to East Green Bay High, right? So he's familiar with some of these spots it's going to talk about. But Curly Lambeau grew up on the east side, played for East Green Bay High. It's going to talk about him going to college and then obviously coming back and, and really how the Packers got founded. A little bit long, but I think you guys will enjoy it. Again, this comes from the Packers Legacy documentary. Mm -hmm. You can find it on their YouTube channel for free. It's phenomenal. Go give it a like, share it. Tell them the Packers total access. We'll watch it again. Watch it three times. Absolutely. It's, it's great. It's amazing, man. Here we go. Born April 9th, 1898, Earl Curly Lambeau is born in a small brick home on the east side of Green Bay. Fittingly, the same side of town on which the Packers begin a dynasty. Green Bay came about as a result of a merger between the city of Fort Howard, which was the west side, and the city of Green Bay, which was the east side. I married a west side girl, and, and uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was probably a breach of etiquette. The Fox River runs right through Green Bay. 
If you go from one side of town to the other side of town, it almost felt like you needed a passport. If you were east sider or west sider, there was a difference in Green Bay. I mean, that river went right up to heaven. A lifeline for cargo and transportation, the Fox River is also the dividing line between booming business and body affairs. They had not merged until right around the turn of the century. Uh, so there was, there was always that east-west issue. When they were separate cities, they didn't like each other. Once they were merged, people on each side of the river still didn't like each other. It was working class who lived on the west side, and it was more professional people who yeah. lived on the east side. I would say the upper um, class was on the east side, and, and we worked really hard on the west side. I'm not sure oh. what, <laughs> what they did on the east side. For many years, families would say, well, I just don't... Emilio, that's east and west Knoxville right there. Right, that's the truth. <laughs> Go over to the west side. I don't know anything over there. I don't know anybody over there. How often do you see your brother? Well, I never see him. He lives on the west side. You know, they... <laughs> we only had two high schools, east and west high. And it was a very heated rivalry. There was quite a competition there because there were very good football players on both sides of the river. East and West was all football. The week of that East-West game, if you wandered on the opposite side of the city, you could be in trouble if you were a West Sider on the East side and somebody spotted you. The headline in the Green Bay Press-Gazette sets the tone. Strangers not wanted at practice field. Both high school football squads are being protected against spotters. Student patrols guard the practice stunts every afternoon, and strangers are very politely told that their absence would be appreciated. Even though there was a rivalry, the spirit was good. It was fierce, but there was a pride in each side. There's no question that that rivalry fueled the interest in football in Green Bay, the passions that people still have for the game. A football star at Green Bay East High School. Curly Lambeau is a name the West High School Wildcats will not soon forget. Started four years, which was unusual. In his senior year, he led East to a 7-6 victory over West before 5,000 people. He scored the only touchdown. East only touchdown and kicked the extra point. And it was hailed as this great high school phenom. To quote the 1916 East High School Annual, Captain Curly Lambeau, his trusty toe and wonderful ground-gaining ability, gave East High the first football victory over crosstown rival West High in eight contests. After his senior year, Curly was going to the University of Wisconsin to play football. He showed up, perhaps briefly, never checked out equipment, never practiced, never enrolled at the university and went back home. Why? Don't know. But he had to know before he went there that freshmen were not eligible to play. Giving it another try, Lambeau enrolls at Notre Dame. Curley played as a freshman in the fall of 1918 at the University of Notre Dame for Newt Rockney. He played his freshman year down there and had a really good freshman season, but he had contacted tonsillitis. In January 1919, Curley returns to South Bend, Indiana before the start of the second semester. In a letter from Curley to his sweetheart, Miss Marguerite Van Kessel, from his sickbed in Soren Hall at the University of Notre Dame, February 5th, 1919. 
Traveling here seemed to make things worse, and every night I had a fever. It kept up until a week ago Sunday when my neck started to swell. The next morning, I saw a doctor. He told me to rush to the hospital at once. Then I spent eight days of torture and suffering. This will be all I write tonight as I am rather lazy and discouraged. But Marguerite, as long as you remain true to me and love me as much as ever, I am still happy. He then closes, professing his love. He dropped out of school and never went back. There's different stories about why he left school. That's something I don't think we'll ever know the answer to. Curly returns to Green Bay and goes back to work at the Indian Packing Company. He was working as a clerk of some sort. He was getting paid apparently pretty well, and going back to Notre Dame didn't seem to be an option. He was married on Saturday, August 16, 1919. Curly Lambeau was passionate about football, and he wanted to put together a team, and he wanted to keep playing. He ran into George Whitney Calhoun. Calhoun asked him what he was going to do about football. He said, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to play. There's all kinds of myths or legends about how George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau met. Nobody really knows whether it was on a street corner or in a bar or whatever. Calhoun allegedly said, well, why don't you start your own team? A bond is struck between Green Bay's new team and the city's daily newspaper, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Without Curly, there is no Green Bay Packers. And he had the help of, of course, George Calhoun, who was a uh, editor at the Green Bay Press-Gazette. He came right out of Central Casting. He's the guy that you've seen in every movie from the 30s, the 40s. That was George Calhoun. There was a cloud of blue smoke hovering throughout <laughs> the newsroom, and it was, it was memorable. I never really had a conversation with him other than, hi, Cal, how are you doing? In those days, the men didn't think much of women in the newsroom. He liked to drink, mostly beer. He liked to chew cigars. He was fond of uh, Limburger cheese. Just a good, crusty old newspaper, man. You gotta love him. He's just one of the editors, a guy who works in the office putting out the paper. He's interested in sports, and he wants to make this thing go. August 11th, 1919. The Green Bay Packers organize. The inaugural meeting is held at the Press Gazette building in a dingy room on the second floor. Curly Lambeau was there. George Calhoun of the Press Gazette was there. Hard to say who else was there. It was at the Press Gazette, it was that date, and beyond that, much speculation. Which makes the Packers' history even more fascinating because there's so much myth to it. Some of the mystery adds to the allure. We're never going to really know what was said in that meeting with Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun. That mystery doesn't take anything away. It adds to the history. That's all we know for certain of the first meeting of what may be the most storied professional sports franchise in North America. More is known about the second meeting held three days later. The follow-up meeting was the 14th. And from that point forward, the Press Gazette covered the team probably as thoroughly as any paper in any pro football city. Cal wrote a story in the paper and, and calling for a meeting of, you know, of, of players that were interested. He actually listed a number of the players you know, said, and intimated that they better report. About 25 young Huskies showed up 
and they started practicing three nights a week. Gus Rosenau, a one-armed player who was a teacher at West High School. The Dwyer brothers, Dutch and Riggy, from a West Side Railroad family. And Wally Ladro, who worked at Indian Packing with Curly. Lambeau was named captain. Calhoun was named manager. They were just starting an amateur town team. Indian Packing Company was going to sponsor them, and they were going to play football. Curly Lambeau is the organizer, the coach. He went to his boss, Frank Peck, and asked him if he would help with sponsoring a team. We had to buy some equipment, some uniforms, probably provided some footballs. Indian Packing sponsored the Packers for two years. Both of those years were their semi-pro seasons. It was not any more glamorous. It wasn't any bigger than that. In the Press Gazette's first story, it refers to the Indian packing team as both the Packers and the Indians. Two days later, paper refers to the team only as the Packers. Where do the town teams end and the Packers begin? For me, it's always been 1919. That's the first time that they were called the Packers. It's the first time Curly Lambeau was captain of the team. Green Bay has an official football team. The Green Bay Press-Gazette is fully immersed in the happenings. My You muted, Clayton. So we'll, sorry about that. I, we'll end it there. You know, it's just, I could watch that stuff all night. And, exactly. Like, what's crazy is that little snippet and some of the names they mentioned, like George Calhoun, you can now take that name and search that name on the web and find his life story and how he got connected and how he and Lambeau later on actually became bitter rivals, right? He's got a famous quote. I personally love it because this is just guys. This is men. This is, we're all flawed, right? All humans are flawed, except for one, and they hung him on a cross. That's a story for a different day. But the fact that they founded, I think, like Cliff Crystal says, the greatest story in sports history, right? They founded this team, and then later on, George Calhoun was quoted as saying, I hope that Curly dies before me so I can pee on his grave. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I would love to be able to sit down and have a cold beer, daddy soda, in between those two when they liked each other and just sit back and not say one word. Just, right. I just want to hang out. I just want to listen to you guys talk. Because uh, George Calhoun doesn't get near enough credit as he should. Um, and the reason they had a falling out is because on Curly's way out, if I understand it correctly, and you guys can go do your own research, but on his way out, he was trying to put together some investors so he could purchase the Packers. If anybody reserved the right to be the Packers owner, I think we would all agree it's probably Curly Lambeau. Yeah. But the town and the board said, no, we want to keep it public, right? Because they were always worried that, you know, uh, someone would move the Packers out of Green Bay. And George Calhoun, if I understood correctly, Curly actually had George Calhoun removed from the board, if I remember that right. And then, of course, Curly ended up going coaching in Chicago and then came back later, you know, in later years once New City Stadium was built, died a few years later, and they named it Lambeau Field. But, uh, man, just – Tim, what do you think about that, man? They, I'm telling you, the Packers, they hit a freaking home run with that documentary, dude. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So many gems in there. I love, you know – you imagine uh you know curly's wife you know they get married and you know honeymoon maybe but instead it's hey uh i'm gonna start my own football team <laughs> yeah, <right. Yeah. laughs> 
it's just yeah. like amazing. And yeah, you know, who knows how he bumped into to Mr. Calhoun, you know, my, my, my money, maybe it, maybe it was a local, uh, drinking establishment for all we know, but, um, yeah, man, you know, that was instrumental because I, I don't think, um, you know, without the, the work that, uh, George Calhoun did that, uh, you know, we'd be where we are today. I mean, we, we always, we always remember Curly Lambo, but mm-hmm. it's important to remember Cal too, because that he was such an integral part of, you know, putting, putting the Packers on the map really. Right. Yeah. And you, you talked about it, Tim, the mystery of it is great. That's why you grew up watching all those murder mysteries must've been because yeah. you just got sucked into the Packers, but yeah. no, that, that, that is awesome. And, and, you know, I'm a history, you know, I, I love the history too. And, and just, diving into something like that a hundred years ago, you know, we, there's so much that has been built up around it, so much time it took and how time has evolved beyond then too. You know, like you said, if Curly did buy it, we probably would have been all right. But the fact that everybody can, you know, own a piece of it now and, yeah, you know, just live it. It's it's crazy. We're 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 really lucky. And then you got a dude with one arm just absolutely just tearing it up back there with Curly. Like, <laughs> I, how can you not love that man? That would have been wild to see. No, it's absolutely awesome, man. And George Calhoun, like I said, he's one of those names. I've got a framed picture of him right here in the studio. Like, it's what's crazy is we know they end up being bitter rivals. So I put a I made it a point to shop it in to where I've got Curly as the player and Calhoun at the time that they founded the team. And I've got them in the same frame together. Like you two are gonna get right here together and get credit together, whether you hate each other or not. But uh, pretty cool stuff. Greg Rice in the chat said, "This reminds me." I guess he was talking about the doc. He said, "This reminds me of a cheer from the more affluent Lake Forest with Illinois side of the field versus our Antioch Illinois side." They cheered, "Quote, it's all right, it's okay, y'all. You all will work for us someday." <laughs> love it, man. Absolutely love it. Um, there's nothing better than high school rivalry football, too. Yeah, I know it's big down there where you're at, Emilio, Maryville, Alcoa, mm-hmm. all those teams. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I, one of my goals is to get up back up to Green Bay for a warm weather game because I usually go, you know, late December. I love to go up there when the snow's flying, but I need to get up there so I can watch some high school football at East Green Bay High. And it's my understanding they're not a very good program at the moment, but still, I just want to, I want to watch some high school football there. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Sutherland in the chat said. Just think, if it wasn't for Curly Lambeau, we might all be Bears and Vikings fan. Wouldn't that suck? It's a true story. It's like it, it sounds like, oh yeah, whatever. If if the Packers didn't exist, everybody in that area would probably be a Vikings or a Bears fan, right? So you tell me, there's not a God. There you go. <laughs> um, let's see here. This is cool. SDM forty in the chat said. Um, you can rent the house where Lambo was born at 615 North Irwin. Is that true? Do you know if that's true, Tim? I had no idea. That is true. That oh, is I'm true. looking at that. He's already got his room booked. <laughs> all of the uh all of the money too that you know the revenue generated goes into preserving uh the place that's as well. Awesome. So um it's uh mostly for um, you know, like if you have events, corporate events or you know, private parties, that kind of thing. But I do believe there is also um you, you are able to stay overnight. It's available for overnight stays as well. So if you're in town and you want to book the house, um, I want to say that there is a website. You think yeah. they'd let me cut the grass? Lambo, LamboHouse.com. So make sure you go there. The birthplace of Curly Lambo. Yeah, 615 Irwin Avenue. Um, not know, far from my house at all. We've had a listener offer up a house right across the street from Lambeau Field for us to use if we want to come up for like training camp and stuff. 
and we may take them up on that offer in the future. Um, also, it would be kind of cool for us to meet up at that house. How cool would it be to do a live podcast in Curly Lambeau's house? That would be awesome. How cool would that be, man? I don't I like know if the Wi Fi is that good, but you know what right. I mean? We'll make it work. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get Elon on the Starlink for 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? We'll make something happen. But. It's really cool to see just how close, like, I didn't really have an appreciation for it until I moved up here, but just really, it's like a hop, skip, and a jump from Sydney Stadium. You know, it's not, it's not very far. So he walked kinda, to school, didn't he? Right. You can kind of walk and kind of see, you know, the, the, the older side of uh, the area here where all the Packers history is really rooted and the, you know, east of the river here. That's awesome, man. Absolutely love it, dude. Uh, let's see what else we got here in the chat. We actually had a question. Uh, Crystal Die in the chat. Good to see you in here, Crystal. Said, is Jason Brable related to Mike Brable? I was under the assumption he was, but I Googled it just now, and it's not true. Nope. He's a, no relation whatsoever. They were both asked about it, and they both said, yeah, not that I'm aware of. So yeah. um, I thought I heard somewhere that they were even brothers, but that's that's how rumors get started, right? So right. you heard it here. They are not related. All right, so he asked Mike Vrabel about Jason and he said, Who? <laughs> oh, hey, do it one more time, Tim. It skipped. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love man. it, man. Well, let's see. SDM40 in the chat said Clayton plunked third grade twice to enhance his high school football career. <laughs> hey, I knew several, several guys in school that did that actually. Their parents would hold them back a year or two so they could be kind of the big dogs. I was always young. Hear about that? I was I was always young, man. Going into going into the year, yeah, that was me. I, I graduated when I was seventeen. I just turned, you know, like like I said, I was really young. Yeah, I was seventeen. Um, yeah, and, you know, my parents. There's no way they would have held me back. They were like, oh, "We got to get him out of this house as quick as possible. <laughs> and get this kid out of here." And you know, me in the back of my mind, I'm going, "I agree. I got to get the hell out of here. This is a uh, this is wild. This is Roadhouse Central over here." So. Um, <laughs> With that being said, we're at the hour mark. Let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this puppy up. I want to say this before we go around the horn. The winner for the Jaden Reed autograph rookie card was Gaylord, okay? G-A-Y-L-O-R-D is his YouTube name, uh, his or her YouTube name. So if we don't hear from them, the second place winner was Ryan Okray, O-K-R-A-Y, okay? If we don't hear from Ryan... The third place was Noah P, and Noah has already reached out to me, sent me an email. So it's gonna the card's gonna go to Noah if we don't hear from Gaylord or Ryan Okray. So if if you're one of those two people, email me Packers Total Access at gmail.com. We'll get everything confirmed to make sure it's not someone trying to steal that prize. Um, we got ways around that um, just to kind of keep the integrity of the giveaways. And like I said, if we don't hear from those two, Gaylord or Ryan Okray, then Noah P will be getting the autograph card. Today is what Friday? No Thursday. I'm going to give it until Saturday. If we don't hear from them, then we'll go ahead and give it to Noah P. So uh, there you go with that. Let's go around the horn real quick. Tim, what else you got, big dog? Nothing, man. Just loving the history. I'm glad. This is the this is the cool part of, uh, you know, what we do during the offseason. Um, take a stroll down memory lane. There's not a lot of time for that when you're breaking down film and, you know, everything that's going on during a season. So um, getting to watch some old footage, uh, you know, diving into some of these stories and the, the, you know, the mystere and the the history of uh, this great team that we love. And um, it's just so cool to be here. I can't wait to do this uh, in the near future here as we go through the off season, because, you know, believe it or not, I know it's like, Oh, the Super Bowl just happened. It seems like forever till there's football again. It's going to, it's going to be here before yeah. you know it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, it, 
I think it'll be cool, man. If, if, you know, you can come to town, Clayton, uh, you know, maybe I know, I know it's tough for you during that time of year, but um, you know, preseason training camp when you, when you have uh beautiful weather and you don't have to bundle up and you can uh, <laughs> get out in the sun and enjoy some football. Uh, that'd be really cool, man. But uh, no, this is great. And just uh, always happy to be here, man. Appreciate you bringing me in Clay. No, I, dude, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, little heavy but i think it's a god thing i think it's uh people are putting in in certain people's paths for a reason you know emilio and tim were listeners and they would email me message me tim called in a couple times when we opened up the lines for listeners and just kind of kindred spirits and emilio was constantly emailing me and uh you know this is this is how some of the biggest podcasts get started is uh you get a connection with certain people and and you know as much as I love talking ball with you guys the people in the chat the personalities mm-hmm. in the chat make this oh, thing yeah. go it's just we got a really good thing going listen there's going to be some negative people along the way there's going to be some some turds in the punch bowl if you will and we're just going to weed those people out and keep moving forward the channel's growing like crazy we're going to keep it positive we're going to talk about things that matter. We're not going to get on here and just slander coaches, slander players. We're going to talk about what happened, why did it happen, try to understand everything at the at the highest level that we can, and just have a blast doing it. But I'm with you, Tim, the history stuff. That was one little eight-minute clip from the first episode of a multi-episode podcast or a, you know documentary. We're going to pull little pieces out of that. We're basically going to go in order chronologically. Along the way, we'll pull plays like we just seen with the Robert Brooks 99-yard touchdown pass. We'll do chalk talk with those, break down some of the old plays. On the docket next will be Monday Night Football, Antonio Freeman's He Did What. And we'll uh, we'll make this offseason fly by for everybody for sure. Quick classic. We got we can't wait for Emilio to be in on that one. A little, little before his time, we'll take him back. That's it. That's, I was going to say, oh, first off, I second what both y'all said about that, you know, um, you know, coming together and, and everything. I appreciate both of you, you know, more than you know, and, and the chat as well. Um, you know, I appreciate everyone in there. But I am picking up a lot of these notes that I was just not even born for. All right. I, I still haven't. I, you know, when I was younger, I just watched the football follies on the VHS. Right. And just, you know, when they fumble the ball and like all those fun stuff, I yeah. burned those tapes up. But besides that, like, I, I you know, when I started getting into uh, Packers, I haven't had enough time to, you know, dive back in. And I'm glad we are we're doing it because it's it's awesome to see it, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm just excited for for the season. And, yeah, it's going to come quick. We're already halfway through February. Um, it's by March 1st, you know, business is going to be two months out, and then it's and then it's over. So uh, I'm excited for it. Any day now, too, we're probably going to get a few restructuring of contracts. And yep. as that happens, we're going we're gonna to hit pause on this history stuff, talk about what's going on now, and then as soon as we hit another dead period, we'll go right back to the history yep. stuff, right back to the chalk talks. And we'll make this uh, this offseason fly through. But Emilio, seriously, dude, we're we're glad to have you on, dude. Um, we appreciate everything that you bring to the table. You bring an energy that we need here because me and me and Tim we're a couple old farts, right? So <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of old fart, D Hazer twenty four said, "My first ever live game was nineteen eighty two Monday Night Football, Washington versus Green Bay. You may beat our Packers, but you you won't lick. <laughs> Never mind." <You> got- <laughs> Give him some. <laughs> should give me some over that. I walked oh, right man. into it. I thought, man, this guy's a avid oh. packer. He's at a he's a 10 in a game the year I was oh. freaking born, that and I'm great. older than dust. And he tried to walk me into cancellation out there, dude. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> Crystal Dye said, what's the name of that biography? Uh, I guess she's talking about the doc from the yeah. video. It's called, if you just search on YouTube, Packers Legacy, you'll see uh, a, like a group of videos pop up. It almost looks like a folder, and it'll have every episode right there. Mm-hmm. And it's basically every decade through the history from 1919 all the way up to, you know, I think it was, what, 20 – or would have been probably 2014, something. No, 2016. Yeah, I wanted to say 16, but yeah. yeah, I think you might be right. Really good. So I'm looking forward to Hopefully they keep that going and just add another installment each time. Right. Be absolutely awesome. So there you go for that, Crystal. Uh, Carly Ray said that video of Favre in the ball, throwing the ball was awesome. We need to find more stuff like that, man. No doubt. Yeah, with the young Steve, the homer true. You got to love it, dude. Got to love it. All right, we're out of here, guys. Really appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Um, again, go give that a like that video. Let's get the, it, it doesn't have near as many views as it should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a phenomenal documentary. So make sure you guys go check that out. But we will be back in the morning for Good Morning Lambo. Um, we'll come up with some other good stuff to talk about. I'll try to get up early enough to, to make it a decent show for sure. But <laughs> want to give a special shout out and thanks to everybody in the chat. You guys make this thing go. This was a lot of fun tonight. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out. He cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we're trying to get a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.